Welcome to the Revival Center Podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and thoughts from our church. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. And gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whenever you spend, or whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Today is Speed the Light Day, and if I had a title for this message, It would be simply titled, Lost in the Darkness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit in this room. God, I thank you for the worship that has gone forth. God, and I pray for this word. God, I pray that it's not my word, and it's not my words, but it's your words. And I pray the Holy Spirit will touch the ears of every single person in this room. We thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, won't you give God one more hand this morning? You see, our love for God should be seen through our love for people. We love because he first loved us is what the Bible says. And he gave his life as a ransom for our sins. Jesus came to where we were and had compassion on us, healing us, and then breathed life back into our lungs. In the youth ministry, we have dedicated the month of September to pushing back the darkness of human trafficking. You see, since 2007, and this is just this one uh, stat right here, since 2007, more than 49,000 cases of human trafficking in the U.S. have been reported to just the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which receives an average of 150 phone calls a day because somebody has been human trafficked. That's not counting all of the other organizations. That's not counting Project Rescue and Free International who receive phone calls every day to go and find people that have been human trafficked. You see, this darkness surrounds us every single day. We are surrounded in it and we walk in it. And each and every one of these men, women and children are in desperate need of freedom. And that is why our goal in the month of September is to raise $10,000 for Speed the Light so that Alabama can purchase a medical response unit for Project Rescue to those who are in need of their wounds being bound. Come on. And see, for those who have been left on the side of the road half dead and are in need of someone to to cross the road, show compassion and mercy on them, and bound them up. And not just bound them up, but to give them the name of Jesus, the love of Jesus. And I believe because of people at Vincent Revival Center, their needs are going to be met through Project Rescue. Not only will they receive physical medical attention, but they will receive something so much greater, and that's the love of Jesus. Amen? Because of faithful people and faithful students and a faithful youth ministry who is going to invest in this project. And so at the end of this sermon, like Pastor Jason said, you will be encouraged to sow a seed and to speed the light. Every dollar that is given in those buckets will be going to this project. And we will, and I, and I do believe that we will be able to see by the end of this month a medical unit that is going to be given to Project Rescue through Speed the Light in Alabama. You see, because our love for people is simply an outgrowth of our love for God. Our love for people is simply an outgrowth of our love for God. 
And this leads me to the first point this morning. And I want to change it up. I want to do a little, something a little bit different because like Pastor Jason said, we believe in investing in the upcoming leaders. We, be, we believe in investing in those who we are raising up. And, and who am I for somebody to hand me and give me a platform and me to also not extend it to those around me? And so I want to invite Pastor Ryan to come and preach the very first point of this sermon this morning. Come on, why don't you give him a hand? All right, thank you guys so much. Before we get started, I just want to say what a privilege and an honor it is to be up here with you guys. I don't take this lightly. Thank Pastor Jason and Pastor Alex for extending this opportunity. I know it's a little bit different for us this morning, but I'm very grateful and I'm very humbled that they allowed me to do this. So we're going to dive right into it. Point one is the fact that God's love is not one-dimensional. What does that mean? That means that God's love encompasses all. That means that the same love that we received is the same love that everyone needs to know. Luke 10, 25 through 28, we see the lawyer. Now, the lawyer begins to test Jesus as they often did, and he, he asks Jesus, what do I have to do to earn eternal life? What do I have to do to get to heaven? And see, the lawyer would have known the law from the beginning, from, from the moment he learned how to begin to read and write, he would have known the law, and we would have had it memorized. So he asked Jesus, what do I have to do? So Jesus puts it back on him. I don't know. You tell me. What do you have to do? What does the law say? So, of course, he, he has the law written on his mind, but the problem is he didn't have the law written in his heart. And this is the difference in knowing about God and knowing God. Because you can know about God and it not change you, but when you know God, you love God. When you love God, you obey God. That's why we had to have Jesus come and die on the cross for our sins, give us the Holy Spirit, so that we could have an inside-out transformation, not outside-in. So the lawyer begins to... To answer the question, this is the moment he's been waiting for. Yeah, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Check. Got it. Next. All right, so that's what, and, and Jesus tells him, that's right. Yeah, you got it correctly. Go and do that, and you'll be okay. But there's something in the exchange that the Bible tells us the lawyer wanted to justify his actions and his lifestyle. See, I imagine that the lawyer probably uh, found it easy to be a neighbor to those who it was easy to be a neighbor to. The ones who it was easy to love, he probably didn't have a, a problem being a neighbor to them, but the ones who maybe were a little bit more difficult, they were tough for him to love. So he wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Do we also do this? Do we also only love when it's easy for us to love? Do we find ourselves uh, justifying our actions, acting as if the second greatest commandment is simply a choice? So do we also do this? The question for us today is, who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Why do we love others? Why do we go and meet the needs of others? Why do we do what we do? The reason is the gospel was not meant to stop with us. The love of God was meant to be shown in us and flow through us. The mentality of I'm saved and that's all that matters. I can hit cruise control and just chill until glory is not the mentality of a follower of Jesus. So we look back at our text in Luke 10 verse 30 we see a man traveling now from Jerusalem to Jericho was a 17 mile downhill stretch this road was common for robbers and clothes were a valuable commodity so the robbers came and they found the man and they beat him and they stripped him naked and they left him half dead now that term half dead is going to be important a little bit later on see that that very well could have meant that he appeared to be dead and if there's anywhere that I would have wanted to be left half dead, it would have been on this road because Jericho had many wealthy priestly families. 
priests and Levites that would travel this road often. If there's anywhere that I would want to be, it would be on a road where the men who were meant to be intercessors between God and man traveled often. The problem is, we see a little bit clearer picture of the priest in Hosea 6.9. As robbers lie and wait for a man, so the priests band together. They murder on their way to Shechem, and they commit villainy. And we see in Luke 10, 31 and 32, that a priest does come, and a Levite does come. But they see the man, and they steer clear. But we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and and say that the term half-dead, maybe they saw him, and they said, well, he's actually dead. And according to the Mosaic law, they wouldn't have wanted to get near him because they would have been considered unclean. The only issue is they chose to ignore the second greatest commandment in order to fulfill that law. So they chose the law that was the most convenient for them to follow. Do we also often only love our neighbors when it's convenient for us? This would be us when we say we're too busy to help or we have too much going on to do the things that need to be done or maybe even when we pull up to an intersection and we do everything in our power not to make eye contact with the homeless man who's standing on the corner. Y'all looking at me like Pastor Jason's never going to let me come up here again. So that, but that's exactly what we see in our main text. The priest and the Levite see the man in the road, and the, the scripture tells us they cross to the other side. The problem is, is just because you don't acknowledge the injustice that's happening around us doesn't mean that the injustice isn't still happening. So what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to act. We're supposed to love. We're supposed to love when it's inconvenient, love when it's difficult. Is this not the same love that we were shown? Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The same love that God showed you and I, he meant for everyone to know, everyone to experience, and you and I are the conduits of that message. James 2, 17 says that so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And I'm not talking about working to earn salvation. I'm talking about working because of salvation, because of what Christ has done. We work because we're convinced that the love God showed us needs to be experienced by all. Jesus coming to this earth and dying on the cross was the most humble and loving event that the world has ever known. And according to Galatians 2.20, Christ lives us, so we also humble ourselves and place others' needs above our own. Jesus told his disciples in John 13.35, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The word love there is the agape love, the God love, the the love that's sacrificial, the love that's unconditional, the love that doesn't have to be bought, the love that doesn't have to be earned. It's just love. That's the love that we will be known by. So are we seeking to show true love with the help of the Holy Spirit? Because if we truly love God, then we truly love all those who are made in his image. We love the souls of everyone. John Calvin once said, it is a false boast when anyone says that he loves God but neglects his image in which is before his eyes. So we, as followers of Christ, should be leading the charge. It's our job, it's our duty to take the grace and the love everywhere that we go. Because the reality for us this morning is that no one is condemned into the kingdom of heaven. Only love will soften a heart of stone. The last words Jesus said to us before he 
left this earth and ascended into heaven is to go and make disciples, to tell them about the grace of God. But how can you tell someone about grace without showing love? And I'm thankful to be part of a church that does show grace, that does show love, that talks to talk as well as walks to walk. But maybe you're in here and you're thinking, man, I've blown it. I haven't loved the way that I should love. I don't love others as myself. I only love when it's convenient. I only love when it's easy. Then I have good news for you. Aren't you glad that the God that we serve, that had every right to stay on the other side of the road, he came to our knees. He humbled himself in the form of Jesus. He died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. He didn't leave us dead where we were. And his grace is sufficient for the priest and the Levite who's blown it in this room this morning. And his grace is sufficient for the man who's lying on the side of the road, beaten when we were there, when we were lying on the side of the road, dead in our sins, stuck in our trespasses. His love and his grace was sufficient for all of it. We did not receive grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness not to extend it. My salvation and your salvation did not use up the last little bit of love that God had left. His love is for all people. And it's our job to take it to them. So as for us this morning, we, we don't justify our actions. We follow in the footsteps of Christ. We see the need. We acknowledge the need. We go to the need. We take the love and the grace and the mercy that Christ has afforded us and we take it to the world. We let our light shine before others. That is what we are to do. So thank you so much for this opportunity this morning, Pastor Alex. Come on, praise God. And that leads us right into point number two this morning, which is the love of God brings complete healing. See, Jews and Samaritans traditionally had no love for each other at all, although, although violence was the exception rather than the rule. And the literature of each betrays an attitude of hostility towards each other. You see it all throughout the Bible. You see the woman at the well with Jesus. And she's wondering why in the world is this man talking to me right now? Because there was hostility between the two. You see, and, we, and in this story right here, in the, in the parable, here we see two different kingdoms begin to come together and unite. We also see this in 2 Chronicles 28, 15. This is when uh, uh, the Israelites and this, uh, Syria begin to take over Judah. And you, you begin to, to see that, that God sent a prophet and said, hold up, what are y'all doing? Y'all have sinned just as much, right? And so then they begin to take the captives and they begin to clothe them and feed them and anoint them. And they, be, they even put them on their own donkey, just like the Good Samaritan did to the Israelite. And you begin to see the two, um, the two kingdoms begin to come together and you unify. You see, we are taught first in this parable how rare and uncommon true brotherly love is. How rare it is. Both were men who from religious offices, pro profession, ought to have been ready and willing to go to the other side and go to the injustice and go to the distress. Just like Pastor Ryan said, you would expect that this would be the road that you would want to be half dead on, right? That they're going to come and they're going to help you. But you see, both were in secession, were too selfish or too unfeeling to offer the slightest assistance to this man. And you see, and the result was that one after the other, they both passed on the other side. Selfishness is the leading characteristic of the great majority of mankind. 
This is what we find in this, in this parable, that cheap charity, which cost nothing to them, was simply too common. It was easy for them not to do anything. But that self-sacrificing kindness of heart, which cares not what trouble is entailed, but is simply looking to extend the grace that was once extended to them. You see how thankful we ought to be that the Lord Jesus Christ is not like man. Come on. You see, in Psalm 62, 5, my soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is in man. No, no, no. My hope is in him, is, is from him. John 4, like I said, the story of the woman at the well, as Jesus asked for water, she was completely freaked out because God was extending the grace to this woman. And then the woman goes back into the city and begins to preach the gospel message. You see, the good Samaritan, despite the story of Jesus' grace that has been extended for us, although people walk right past us every single day as we are broken, as we are hurting and in trouble and in need of saving, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you and comes to where you are and begins to attend to your wounds, begins to attend to your needs. He brings healing, he brings restoration, he brings breakthrough, and he picks you right back up and puts you on a firm foundation. Amen? He begins to, begins to minister to you. He begins to love and extend the grace of Jesus Christ. And this is where we are challenged then. This is where we are challenged because at the end of this he says... Go and do the same. He makes no difficulty or excuses, but at once gives aid this Samaritan. And then the Lord tells us, looks at us and says, go and do the same. Go and do the same. Go and tend to the brokenhearted. Go and tend to your neighbor. Go and love what the world would call the unlovable. Go and love them. Go and do the same. In our case today, Go and find the one that is in the darkness. Go and search for the one that has been taken. Go and love them. Go and send a response unit to those who are broken and who are in need. And simply through what we are going to do this month, we are going to send an aid to those in the darkness to get to be a part of something so much greater than our own selves. As Jesus brings healing, not just to their physical bodies, but to their spiritual life. And this brings me to my third and final point this morning. As the youth band, you can go ahead and make your way. Number three, the love of God pays the full price. The love of God pays the full and complete price. You see, we are taught lastly in this parable, after what manner and to what extent are we to show kindness and love to those around us? What manner? What is it, what the question is, is how far do I actually have to go is what the lawyer is trying to get out of Jesus, right? He's, he's challenging Jesus. Man, how, how far do I actually have to go to show the love of Jesus? You see, he took much trouble to give him help, this Samaritan. He acted as well as felt in his own emotional spirit. He spared no pains and no expense in befriending this man. The kindness of, of a Christian towards others should not be in word and in tongue only, but in deed and in truth. His charity should be seen not merely in his speech, 
but also in his actions, and not merely in his profession, but also in his practice. It's something that we do that our actions or our faith without actions is, is dead. You see, the world may not understand, but, sh- but such brotherly love. They're not going to understand why in the world is this man going and speaking to somebody he's not supposed to be around. Right? If, if the priest or the Levite would have crossed the road, you would have seen all the other priests that were coming down the road. What are they doing? Right? They wouldn't have understood the brotherly love that they were extending to this man. And the world is not going to understand your love for others. They're not going to understand your level of commitment to your faith and walk with Jesus. You see, this return, and then you find the return of the gratitude that you may receive, you might not get anything out of the situation. And so you're certainly not doing it for the pat on the back or the thanks, but you're doing it because God said, go and do the same. Go and do the same. You see, we, we find in Luke 10, 35, And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. You see, I will repay you was the standard formula guaranteeing a debt that was going to get paid. Was guaranteeing that, hey, I will be back and I will pay this. And I will make sure that that anything else that you spend... Anything else that you spend, because back in the day, those innkeepers were not the best of people, right? So I don't know what may have happened. We don't know the end of the story, so to speak. He may have gone and spent it everything. He may have gone and bought him new beds for his inn. Come on. He may have gone and bought new everything. I don't know. And this man would have came back, and regardless of the price, he would have paid it. Regardless of the price, he would have paid everything single penny back and hopefully you're making the connection this morning come on hopefully you understand where I'm going with this not only did this Samaritan bind this man's wounds and bring him aid but he also paid the full amount to to take care of him afterwards the man didn't just help one time and that's the end of the story he vowed to come back and take care of the bill he didn't just check the good deed box for the day His actions were driven by his character and by his compassion. And that sounds a lot like a man that I know, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jesus not only loved the priest and the Levite, where they were on the other side of the road, where they should have been, which was tending to the man. Not only did Jesus love them, but he also crossed the road brought healing, and then paid the full price for every single one of us in this room by sacrificing his own life for you and for me. He extended the grace to those that were, were looking for, or not looking at the injustice, and he also extended the grace to those who were stuck and could not get out who were stuck and had no sense of freedom. And this is the grace that we extend to those around us. And this is how those lost in the darkness are going to be found, by, not by our power or by our might or by simply the love that we could possibly extend, but the power and the love of Jesus Christ. That is the only way that they will be found. 
the gospel message that breaks the yoke of darkness in this world that we are preaching right now in this room, that is the only way that there will be light in this entire world is because of Jesus. And God paid the full price for every single person in this room. Every debt that, that, was, that every, every single one of us owed has been paid in full. Come on, why don't you give God a hand in this room? You can go ahead and stand all across the room. And I'm not done. I, I still got a little bit to read right here that I want to encourage you with. As the youth band gets ready here in just a moment. You see, this, this morning the altar call is, is fairly simple. The kind of love that God's law elicits is much greater, is much riskier, much costlier, and much more uncomfortable than the expert ever imagined it to be. He thought that his answer was going to be simple. He thought that his answer was going to comfort him. He thought that his answer was going to be an easy answer to accomplish. But that wasn't the case. This isn't just a story about helping people in need without prejudice. If that were the case, Jesus could have easily depicted a Jewish man like the lawyer coming down the road and helping the Samaritan in need. Then the story would be clear. Help those in need regardless of your prejudice, regardless of who you think you should help. However, that is not the story that Jesus tells us. There is a kind of love for God and for others that simply can't be manufactured. That simply has to be learned. Think about how different this story could have, have gone. Instead of the lawyer trying to justify himself by saying, who is my neighbor? The lawyer could have humbled himself. The man that knew the law. The man that knew what he was supposed to do. He could have humbled himself. He could have humbled himself. Saying, God, I can't love like this. I don't know how to love like this. I need your help. Can you help me love like this, Jesus? Imagine the, the, the different response that Jesus would have spoken to him. You see, don't try to justify your sin. Humble yourself and ask God for help. Ask God for help. He is waiting. He is waiting for you to respond. And this is the first person I want to speak to in this room this morning. Lord, I can't love like For more information about the Revival Center, visit us on the web at revivalcenterag.com.